I am here holding the hope for you until you can hold it for yourself. Welcome to From Heartache to Healing and Hope with your host, Bernadette Winters-Bell, LMSW. This podcast explores the many layers of life through the lens of loss and grief, often with special guests who share their perspectives on this universal yet unique process. These explorations can offer you, the listener, avenues to encourage you to have these conversations with yourself, your family, your community, your world. Welcome to From Heartache to Healing and Hope. I'm so excited as we do this series called Same Storm, Different Boats, today's special guest, Emily Phillips. You will be amazed, I think, at all the different evolutions that she's made in her life and how she did during this time of the COVID pandemic evolved yet again and got so many people, mostly women, involved that needed something to do, that needed to know how do we stay at home mostly and do things of service to others that they feel valuable and helpful. Emily did a magnificent job of coordinating people actually from all over this country. And I think there were some international helpers there too that came together and this could be replicated in your community. We're making sure we're putting information there for you that you can get in touch with Emily. You can see a video on how to make these ear savers. I'm giving away a clue and how to be in touch with her to do all of these things. And so as you say, what can I do in my community? I can't, I can't make anything. Me personally, the only thing I can make if I was to crochet or knit is triangles because I'm always dropping stitches and that's not really very helpful. But you'll see, I could be a button sewer or I could be a person drops things off. There's always something that we can do. And so today I've interviewed Emily Phillips. She's a ear saver extraordinaire. I gave her that title. I can't wait for you to see it and see the hope that we have here for you. Thank you. Well, welcome, Emily Phillips. It's a pleasure to welcome you to my podcast, From Heartache to Healing and Hope. Thank you. Absolutely. So this series is called Same Storm, Different Boats. So I learned that during World War I, when it was over and people would see one another and having had different experiences, maybe some of them at war sites or some here, and they would ask each other, how was your war? So I'm asking you, Emily, how has your pandemic been? Well, the interesting part was it didn't change my lifestyle very much, fortunately. Um, I'm retired, so that helped. I don't have children to coordinate all that craziness. And so... I had less of a wrestle than a lot of people I knew had with this um, sort of being shut in and closed off from people. I just had to find ways to um, still feel useful and involved because I didn't have those social contacts anymore. But my life had been fairly sedentary and uh, 
you know, smaller. How, how long had you been retired? Uh, I had to retire early because of health issues in 2010. And then I worked part-time till about um, 2012. So um, I've had a lot of practice, you know, at this, but I was out there volunteering, you know, right. so that became my work world and that went by the wayside. Mm. So you have had experience with change, unexpected, unasked for, yep. and had to evolve. Yes. I actually, I had to retire due to health concerns when I was um, 60, which was a few years before I had planned on doing that. Mm -hmm. And that was um, quite a lifestyle adjustment for me. And I had created and recreated a few lives since then. And um, most of it involved in being older and um, having some chronic health issues that kept me not out running around as much. So I find my own ways of running around. They're just modified. <laughs> So you had evolved and what happened when the pandemic hit us all? I found myself in the position of wise old sage suddenly when um, people, friends of mine who were employed um, didn't know what to do with themselves, um, didn't know who they were without a job, um, kept feeling like they were like strangling and inside prisoners of their home and you know couldn't e imagine walking the streets or taking a hike or you know any of the things that I was doing I was just doing them differently they felt uh almost like they had their lives had come to a standstill whereas for me it was just oh I have to make another a little adjustment here wonderful so you were able to share your knowledge of how you had done that with others. Yes. Were, sounds like they were floundering a bit. Yes. And then I, I, I accidentally fell into this project and it got me involved with 45 other people who, um, most of whom were searching for some meaning and purpose themselves. And so this project gave them a feeling of meaning and purpose. Some of whom were older and sick. Some were, um, suddenly out of work and didn't know what to do with their time. So that worked to, to both of our advantages. Wow, so do I understand correctly this started out with your son and being employed in the medical field? Well, my yeah, my son was a frontline worker in um, putting up those, um, well, he did a lot of network engineering stuff, but he put up those um, testing tents outside all the hospitals and stuff like that. And, okay. and I was very worried for him and he, kept saying to me over and over again, you, you better take this seriously. Get yourself a mask. You know, you got to take this seriously. And my son is not an overreactor. So when he says, you got to take this seriously, it's time to take it seriously. So we ordered masks. Um, I don't sew on a sewing machine. I do everything by hand. So I bought them from somebody. And um, mine was too big and my partner Joe's was too small, too tight. And so I said, what would my mother do? <laughs> and um, she'd say, make it work. And so I dug out my crocheting skills and I looked online and, and I 
went through four different incarnations of these little, um, what we call ear savers. So like a little belt that pulls the loops away from the back of your ears. And then friends started asking me for it. And then some people who were going back to work slowly started asking. And then, then I gave them to my son and then the hospital wanted it. And then Bassett Hospital and Falkland. Suddenly Springbrook wanted a thousand. The next thing you know, there were 45 of us working on this and we did 6,000 of them from March until about a month ago. Did you do this all in one space or how did that look like? Um, no, everybody was working in their own homes. Mm -hmm. um, I had a little fold up table with a Rubbermaid bin outside that said ear savers. And um, I had about 20 crocheters, 20 who, about 10 who crocheted and sewed on buttons and about 20 just button sewers because each belt had one button. And um, so there was a constant stream at my house of people driving up, putting a package in the bin or picking something up. Um, I had A&D Taxi stopping by. They did several deliveries for me. The president of SUCO, uh, all kinds of people would come by. So word would get around. And then I worked with Jill, who you interviewed. And um, she helped me do a video that we got out there and that got me um, crocheters from um, Texas and Wisconsin and um, California mailing me um, ear savers. And we were able to return the favor when things got worse um, in their states. Um, and so I had like a few second contact with a lot of people with my mask on, even through my screen. And they liked that they had you know, meaning and purpose. My um, 90 year old neighbor mom across the street, I've lived here a long time. She must have sewn buttons to the tune of one to 300 a week. Wow. And she would beg me for more and more and more and more um, because at 90, her family would not let her out. She lived alone and um, she felt useless. And this was the first time in several years she has um, uh, heart failure mm -hmm. um, that she felt like she was needed again. Oh. And so it was great for her. Um, I had an 11 year old who wanted to earn a scout badge. Um, the, the variety was just phenomenal. I got to meet so many nice people a couple of whom stuck with me into my next evolution that we're in now, but we were thrilled. I mean, I had to call a stop to it. There were still people asking. In fact, I just got a request yesterday and I have about a hundred left over. Wow. And um, yeah, we did 6,000 of them and it did as much good for me as it did for the people receiving it. And the people receiving it were thrilled. Um, almost every agency in business Yes, facility here in Oneana and many of the stores and shops. And I remember when you started it and you were asking a few of us if you know of anyone or share it with people. Or and if you had buttons. <laughs> buttons, you had yawn, but not with wool, with cotton. Yeah. yeah. So it opened my eyes, of course, to people's need for this. And then I found myself, I went into a local coffee shop. And we're looking at the girls, I must have seemed weird, like, 
yes, I want a coffee, but tell me about your mask and looking around and how it was going around their ears. Yeah, Latte and Lounge, I, I supplied them twice. Exactly. And then I went to Jacqueline, the owner, and said, wow, I know someone doing this and um, it's free. And many people are getting together for this. I was in the bookstore. Anywhere I went. <laughs> I know. People I know. It. Um, it was just um, amazing. And uh, uh, people were just so um, moved and appreciative because they had to be in these masks all of a sudden, you know, like eight hours a day. And, and it was driving them crazy. And um, so, you know, I, it was starting to dwindle down and it was a lot of pressure on me to coordinate 45 people. I mean, it became a job. Sure. Um, and it was hard to keep track of. And, and I also made about 100 a week myself. Mm. Um, and, but it was so, uh, people didn't want to stop. Mm. They just didn't want to stop. And I got involved with this local fiber art group called the chain gang. And they take on three or four projects a year, including scars for these homeless veterans and their families in Albany. And so, um, I got in touch with them. I searched through the internet for local crochet groups. I got in touch with them and it turned out to be the wife of somebody that I knew years ago, professionally. And there are about maybe 20 of them and about 11 of them started working for me. And these ladies were good. I mean, they drop off like 90 to 120 at a time and I had to get button sewers for them. And um, so then, uh, at the end of this, I became part of their group. And so I worked on making the scars for the veterans and then they're helping me with my project, which has been on my own. I have been supplying the um, sh homeless shelter and the domestic violence shelter with um, scars for the last couple of winters because their knitter broke her arm and her elbow never healed right, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Um, so I have a couple of the ear saver people who've moved on with me to make hats and scars and, 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 um, I met so many nice people and I learned new crochet skills mm. and, you know, I've had people sit in my backyard with masks on showing me how to make things and, um, showing me on my porch and, and I'll come home and there'll be like two garbage bags of um, half and three quarter done projects crocheted and I'm to take them apart to reuse the yarn. So I've become like a recycling center. Oh. <laughs> it's been um, just amazing, the outpouring from people, just amazing. People going through their grandmother's boxes for buttons and just- Oh, I remember seeing that story and yeah. There was somebody, I think, from Kansas that had a yep. box of buttons and never quite knew what to do with them, but throwing out grandma or mom's buttons just didn't seem no. right. And now they have the perfect place to recycle it, so to speak. Yes. Well, I ended up with lots of buttons and they were hard to order online because there was a run on them. Yes. And um, so I learned to shift from these ear savers to these ear warmers, which is like a twisted headband. And mm -hmm. I thought, and I had to learn how to do that. And one of the ladies kind of taught me, and this is all without being face-to-face. -face. And, um, and I taught myself, and then I took the, the, some of the leftover buttons and I'm putting them in the center of the twist. So, oh, they look so like, and useful. <laughs> and so people are getting them as Christmas presents and they're also going to the shelter and, you know, why not look cute? 
Absolutely. I yeah. saw it yesterday somewhere online and it was a headband with buttons there and the mask that went with it. So it's a coordinated set. Beautiful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's been good. It's been good. How lovely that something that starts out as, hmm, how can we make my mask and my partner's mask fix? You know, you were looking for the Goldilocks mask, not too, yeah. big, not too small, right? And look what it evolved into. And this is what I've been so thrilled to learn from people is what have they done during this time that was unexpected. And uh, for most of us, we didn't know, even have an inkling that it was coming and it came fast. It was all of a sudden, okay, everybody home. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I've never read a pattern and I'm, I, I, that's why I can't bake because I can't follow a recipe. And I'm the same way with crocheting. I can't follow a pattern. But without patterns, you know, people have taught me a few things and I've taught myself a few things. And um, yesterday and today, I'm right, uh, I mean, yesterday I mailed a set of scarf and, you know, ear warmer, mm -hmm. like a headband. And I learned, taught myself how to make fingerless gloves. One of the ladies gave me one and told me to take it apart and deconstruct it if I couldn't follow a pattern. And I did. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> and so um, all of a sudden I have two Facebook friends who for the cost of shipping are, I'm mailing them a scarf and fingerless gloves and, you know, this headband and, um, and they'll mail me the cost of shipping and they'll throw in a few extra dollars. That'll go to the superhero shelter. Right. Why and not? I'm going to do it anyway. And the superhero shelters for those that don't know. Is. Oh yes, it's an animal re it's an animal rescue um, shelter, and I had volunteered at the thrift store since the day they opened. I was one of their first volunteers, and I haven't been able to. They've been closed, and they've been open just part time. But I don't want to be in such close quarters because I'm in a high risk group. Right. And so I couldn't volunteer that way. So what I do is I make earrings for the shop that they sell, and I made ear savers for the masks that I gave them a hundred that they can sell. Mm. And, um, and any of my Facebook friends who say they want a scarf, a hat, you know, hand warmers, they pay for shipping and they just include whatever donation, you know, they want, whether 10 bucks, 20 bucks, and, and I'll donate that to superheroes. How beautiful, how beautiful. So I hear you make earrings also. So that sounds yes. like something else. Now, was that pre- a pandemic that you were making earrings? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting story. <laughs> um, I was married before and um, here I was almost 50 going off to get a doctorate in Syracuse and having to live there. And my then husband bought me from um, Razzle Dazzle, our kitchen shop downtown, a $20 um, earring making kit as like a joke. And I started fiddling with it when I'm there by myself in Syracuse. And the next thing you know, I had earrings um, in a shop in Syracuse and a shop in Saratoga, in, in um, Casanova and a shop in Oneonta, my route kind of going to Syracuse and back for two years. Um, and that, that kind of like, I did that for a while and then that went by the wayside cause I was busy and I was teaching as a professor and I didn't have time for this. And then, um, 
two years ago when I started volunteering um, the, at hospice thrift store where I also volunteered, they wanted earrings and they would sell them. And then Superhero opened up and the, you know, the animal shelter thrift store and I started volunteering and they wanted earrings. So I was constantly supplying every month them with earrings until this came along. And so I guess I like to work with my hands. And how interesting that you're able to see these needs first for yourself and then for others mm -hmm. and find a way to make them happen. When you were uh, getting your doctorate in before, uh, what field were you in? Uh, counselor education. Um, I had been a mental health counselor um, and had decided that I needed to go more preventive. So I decided I would go into school counseling and the most preventive I could think of was elementary school counseling. And it was brand new at the time in the uh, late 70s. Right. And um, I was told I could create my own program and I did and it ended up being a model program and I won $5,000 and that was a big whoop at the time. And, and I did that for about you know 11 years. And then I thought, you know I had moved from one school to another and I thought, is that what I'm gonna keep doing? What could I do next? And I had been adjuncting part-time in counselor education at SUNY Oneonta uh, in the program I had graduated from. And um, my then boss was teasing me I should go for a doctorate because he was going to retire in five years. So I took a leap and I did that. I went and I lived in you know, two cities, almost 50. It was hard. Whoa. And I had been out of school a lot of years. And lo and behold, I came back um, just at the end of my coursework when I was getting ready to work on my dissertation. And my then boss had a heart attack and needed to retire. So they, while I was working on my um, dissertation, they hired me um, in a, just an instructor position. And then two years later, they were ready to um, fill the slot and I had to compete against seven other people and they picked me and I stayed there and retired as a full professor. How interesting uh, from so yeah. many different perspectives. But the one I'm thinking about now is the different ways that you've evolved just from what you've spoken about here today um, from a counselor and uh, a professor, instructor, um, to be get your doctorate and then run the department to be the chair um, and then to have medical issues and have to retire, not in the plan. And what you did with that and all the different evolutions, the earrings and the ear savers and all the things that you've done to keep yourself interested and busy and of service to others besides being happy. Well, I never had a plan for any of this. It right. just sort of, things just sort of evolved and I kind of listened oh. and, and it would, and I'd follow that direction. And always, I think you're right. Always in the back of my mind was it's, it's time to give back. You know, you, you got to really be doing it, not just for yourself, but for other people. So I think I've always gone out of my way to try to figure out, um, how can I use myself, various aspects of myself to, um, you know, fulfill needs. And I'm good at managing groups and things like that. And I think I've always been a bit of a teacher and a bit of a counselor. And so a it was just the right, the right credit more than a bit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, 
it's it's been good because uh it certainly has allowed me to realize that I'm not alone that for 45 people to step up to help me they didn't need to do this and they had to drive here sometimes from you know 15 20 miles away to drop things off and um and be thinking of me and and what I'm doing in their free time and and it made me not feel so alone. Ah, isn't that good? Um, you know, so at this point, you've helped yourself, you've helped others as a model of, of how to do that. Um, so at this time, you're working with the chain gang and doing the scarves and the fingerless gloves still? Uh, yeah, well, I was helping them with their scarf project. Right. And, and then I mentioned that, um, I've been doing this project with the homeless shelter and they said, oh, they give stuff to the domestic violence. Well, they're actually one and the same, but you have to go through one to get to the other for confidentiality purposes. So we decided we would meld our needs. And so any of them who want to um, continue to make scarves now for my project, will be, I'll be doing drop-offs, you know, once a month. And if people hear this and say, gee, I can do drop-offs, I can crochet, I have absolutely. buttons, how would they get in touch? How would they be able to get involved here, Emily? Sure. Um, the easiest is through my um, professional account, because that's an easier one to remember, because my name is Phillips, and, and it's Emily. So it's Philly, P-H-I-L-L-I-E, at oniana.edu. And it's edu because it's a college. That's the easiest way to get in touch with me. And why don't we spell Oneonta for those? People? Oh yes, <laughs> O N E O N T A right. dot edu. Right. Second nature to us up here in upstate New York, but not perhaps to everybody. That's Once true. And also, this could give ideas to people who uh, might be in touch to say, "How do I do this in my community?" You know. There's a place in our, from our parking garage to downtown and often all winter long, probably starting soon, you're gonna see hats and scarves and gloves. And if you I've done it, that. Right, and, and if you need to take one, the sign will say, um, and anyone can do that anywhere in the country. Well, I did wanna say um, that um, Jill, who you interviewed, who um, had Transitions Boutique, she also um, sewed for me mm -hmm. and, um, she helped me with the technology piece. Um, she, I put together a video of how to make the ear savers and I'm making one and I'm talking my way through it. And so she put this together with me so that now I have with her help an instructional video. Beautiful. And I have, um, it's not open to the public on YouTube. People have to contact me to ask for it. And I have made that available to, um, it'll be available to like any schools or community who would like to make ear savers. Sure. I have an instructional video. It's six minutes long. That's how easy it is to learn how to do it. And people can contact me and then I will give them the link for that. And then, because I can't supply every school, there's right. no way. Um, so I've been working, um, we've already started with Milford where you know, I, I give them the link, they get a community group going. It only takes three or four people to crochet and sew buttons and they could supply their own school or business. Excellent. And again, that's through the email that you gave us? Yes. 
Yes, and then I would give you the link to the video. You excellent, right? So this is not only learning for yourself and then learning with others. Now it's about teaching others. I get to be a teacher again. There we go. So we've come full circle. Well, why not? This has just been fascinating about all the different evolutions and changes that you've made. And I think one of the things that I like about it the best is you're so upbeat um, and have had many challenges, but yet you say, okay, what do I do with this? You know, the lemon to uh, lemonade story and see how I can do this so that I can be comfortable with myself and be in the world and be of service and be a happy person. I think lots of people are gonna see this and feel like, okay, I could do something. I know how to go to somebody's porch. I know how to send buttons. And maybe they have a different idea, you know, for something in their community. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It's been, and and it's amazing how much good it does for yourself, you know, to, you know, and it kept me from being so isolated. And I had spent a lot of years being ill and isolated and I'll be darned if I'm going to let that happen again. So this is a way to feel connected. Wonderful. Well, I'd love to thank you for your time and your efforts um, and everything that you've done. And um, so that people could know um, that this gives people hope. And that's what my podcast is all about, from heartache to healing and hope. And that even when we're in what we feel are dire circumstances, there's a way to bring some hope to it. Even if the hope is today, I'll get dressed. Today, I'll sew on a button. Whatever it is, mm-hmm. there's always hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I want to share with people. So thank you so very much for being my very special guest, thank Emily you. Phillips, Air Saver Project Extraordinaire. <laughs> thank, <laughs> you, <Emily. laughs> thank you, Emily. It's been a thank pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>